Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 132. The U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Courier exhibit at the Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting recorded live on Thursday, September 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined... By Lee Height, K-8-C-L-I, from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Westchester, Ohio. And we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week here on the show, Andy Maluzzi, KK4LWR, was here to talk about the Collegiate QSO party that's coming up uh, this weekend. So if you missed that, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. We're also available on YouTube. And um, get your questions ready to go. We're going to talk about uh, the Voice of America Museum and how uh, a ship ties into um, some of the things that uh, the Voice of America was doing and then a little bit of a ham radio connection. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, after the interview, you can give us a call. I'll go ahead and give you the phone number so you can write that down and have that ready to go. The phone number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Or um, you can call us on Skype if you like. Uh, we're Ham Talk Live on Skype. And if you'd rather not call, you can tweet us at Ham Talk Live on Twitter. And a couple of announcements we'll, we'll throw in here. First of all, if you haven't heard about uh, Flow, uh, Hurricane Florence, uh, the, the Hurricane Watch Net and the VoIP uh, Hurricane Net and the Saturn uh, Relief Nets are, are all up and going. So uh, make sure you watch out for their frequencies as uh, usual and hurricane season so please uh try to stay clear of them on the air as they uh 
work to try to help people out and um, you can listen in on that as well um, and as a part of that I just saw a release W1AW is going to actually be off the air on Friday uh, they've suspended their bulletins um, because of that so uh, just a heads up that W1AW bulletins and, and uh, practice and that kind of thing won't be on um, on Friday. Also, we had a request uh, to do some t-shirts for the show and uh, with a satellite theme. Now, on the back, we, we have a couple of slogans. We do the, the, the takeoff of... Uh, Les Nessman from WKRP, who always signed off, may the good news be yours, and we, we did may the good DX be yours, but uh, we've also done a couple of other slogans on the back, and, and there was a request that we do some uh, satellite slogans, so we actually tossed some around on Twitter, and I think we've got one picked up, but uh, I don't have everything quite ready to go just yet, but if you're interested in getting one of those, be aware that uh, I'll have a, a form online that you can fill out and um, sign up for buying one of those soon. So watch the uh, social media outlets, and uh, we'll post the information on those shirts here um, in the next week or two. Um, on how you can order those and we're going to do a limited edition order of that one so if you're interested in that make sure you're you're watching for that and we'll talk about it uh, a little bit next week i'm sure but i'll be back with lee and we'll talk about uh, the u.s coast guard cutter courier exhibit right after this word from icom america right here on ham talk live heard it worked it logged it it's time to get the transceiver that is best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. See how you can make the most out of contest season with one of these transceivers. First, the ICOM IC7851, the competitive edge you've been looking for. Raise the bar and hear what others cannot with this flagship HF and 50 MHz transceiver. It has reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear LO design, a spectrum scope, dual receivers, and digital voice recorder. The ICOM IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants and just in time for contesting season. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Featuring RF direct sampling system, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digicel. And then the ICOM IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. With RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and an SD memory card slot. Be sure to visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radio. Here's the snap. Rap takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80. Now 40. Now 20. 15. 10. Two meters. Touchdown. Ham Talk Live.
Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM for their support. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. And tonight we have Lee Height, K8CLI, with us. He's one of the lead docents at the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Westchester, Ohio. Lee is a retired electronics engineer with a passion for investigating technical issues, occasionally surrounded with some mystery and often bridging several fields of technology. He was licensed in 1954 and is active with the Mason, Ohio, and Warren County CERT teams. He also engineers wind chimes and biomass bricks. So he, he, he does it all. Lee, welcome to Ham Talk Live. Well, thank you, Neil. Uh, very happy to be here, and thanks for the invitation. We appreciate it. Well, I, I always enjoy uh, seeing you and, and the people over at uh, the Voice of America Museum whenever I can and uh, try to, to help out as I can over there. But uh, um, I'm back at work again, and it's been a little while, and, and Gary tells me there's all kinds of things that have changed already since uh, since I was last there about uh, seven or eight weeks ago. So. Uh, we'll, we may have to talk about that a little bit, but one of the things that, that has changed is this new exhibit at the museum on the USCGC courier. So, uh, tell us the story about this boat and how it's connected to, uh, the history of the voice of America. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite a fascinating story. I've, I've got a little background here to give you, uh, as we lead into this, but as we all know, World War II ended in 1945, and it wasn't but just a few years later, uh, around 1947, that we defined this 45-year period called the Cold War. And the U.S. government was doing a number of things to try to provide a a defense uh, for threats from the Cold War. Uh, They commissioned the development of a nuclear airplane, a uh, nuclear-powered airplane, uh, the ICBMs, and the Polaris submarines. Two of those, of course, turned out to be very successful. Well, in addition to that, that's all hardware-based. They decided that uh, the word is a very powerful weapon. And while the VOA had been on the air since 1942, they continued on the air after the end of the war and became a very important tool during the Cold War. During that period, uh, they transmitted uh, into Russia. They transmitted to a lot of parts of the world, uh, but certainly uh, Russia was uh, top of the list. VOA had three facilities, one in Delano, California, and us here in Bethany, Ohio, and Greenville, North Carolina. And all three facilities uh, broadcast into Russia. Uh, the basic message, tell the truth and let the world decide, and was just trying to get the, uh, our view of things uh, broadcast into Russia. So that went on for a while, and by early 50s, 50, 51, it, Russia was catching on to the fact that uh, we were a pretty prominent force in the uh, radio world in Russia, and they began jamming. Uh, well, they had been jamming all along, but they got stronger transmitters, uh, bigger signals, and was jamming the BOA signals coming out of the United States. Uh, we all practiced uh, a, a technique called cuddling, which is 
we will, uh, the, the BOA would come up beside an existing frequency that the Soviets were using and broadcast. And that was done deliberately so that when they tried to jam the VOA signal, they would inadvertently jam their own signal. It was a, uh, a very broadband acoustic generator. It sounded like a coffee grinder going off, but it would splatter all over the band. Uh, so that worked for a while, but eventually they got stronger and stronger transmitters. And the government decided we needed to do something about it. Um, Harry Truman was running for president and had uh, proposed a what was called a ring of truth around Russia. He wanted to put 14 transmitting sites circling Russia, each site at a 1 million watt capacity. So here we would have 14 <laughs> 1 million watt transmitters around Russia. And that Congress thought it was a good idea and actually funded the beginning of it. They funded some $42 million to get started. Uh, but unfortunately, after the election, uh, Congress had second thoughts and they cut back uh, uh, to only one station. And that turned out to be uh, the U.S. Coast Guard uh, Cutter Courier. Uh, they had... Uh, other stations uh, in in England and Greece uh, and uh, that were transmitting into Russia, they would pick up the signal out of the United States, and they, they were called relay stations, and they would then retransmit into Russia. But we needed to get a very strong signal into Russia, and so what they decided to do was to build a uh, very powerful floating broadcast station. And they looked around to do it. Uh, this was not the first time the VOA had used a floating um, a broadcast station, uh, but this was going to be the most powerful. And did not want guns or ammunition or a threat involved. So normally they would look to the Navy to do this, but in this case they looked to the Coast Guard because they were non-confrontational. And so they... Uh, commissioned a ship uh, from the uh, with the Coast Guard. Uh, it was actually a ship built for the Navy that was never used, and uh, was commissioned uh, in 1952, and contained um, actually contained four transmitters. Um, they had uh, one large transmitter that was a, a, what we call medium wave or the AM broadcast band. It was a 150-kilowatt uh, transmitter, and then they had two 35-kilowatt shortwave transmitters, and then a smaller uh, Collins unit, 3-kilowatt, uh, that they used for ship-to-shore. And so that uh, then was deployed. Uh, they were stationed uh, off an island of uh, Greece called Rhodes. It's way down in the Key of Islands off from Greece. It's very close to Turkey, but just 10, 11 miles south of, uh, southwest of, of Turkey and were stationed off uh, that island. And so they were there for 12 years broadcasting and had a phenomenal success uh, during that process. Well, that, that's what you call going mobile with that yeah. many kilowatts <laughs> of power. That That's going mobile for sure. And 
you know, we talk about, uh, you know, relays, uh, you know, uh, well, we need a relay to check into this net. Well, uh, that that's a relay now. <laughs> yes. That's some um, powerful, powerful signals out of that boat. The, the VOA in general used a lot of relays. Uh, we here in, in Bethany, as was Delano, California, and Greenville, North Carolina, we were called relay stations because all the program material came out of, well, eventually came out of uh, Washington, D.C. It started in New York and then moved to Washington, D.C. VOA is still on the air today and still producing program material, and now it's broadcast over the Internet, satellite, and cellular and that kind of thing, but uh, we all were relay stations, and in our case, we would pick it up from Worston, D.C., and then broadcast it, and it would either go directly, like into uh, uh, South America or Africa, or be picked up by one of our relay stations over there and, and retransmitted. Yeah, now, one of the things that I always found interesting when I first uh, discovered the museum and, and started uh making trips over there and, and learning more about this was that, uh, you know, with all those transmitters and everything, there was not a microphone in the place. And, uh, like you said, it was, it was all relay because, uh, you didn't want to take a chance of somebody taking over the station. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we had guards, uh, here at Bethany, uh, but it was not so much a fear of breaking in because we did not have microphones. It's more because of the uh, re-enter-rhombic antennas that were used were highly secret. Uh, the only ones in the world, uh, they were able to take a normal rhombic. And while you will normally waste 50% of the power at the tail end, the opposite end of the feed line, uh, they uh, took that power and phased it and took it back to the input. And they had the rhombic running at 98% efficiency. It was like a quarter million watts in, and we got 1.1 million watts of actual RF output out of the thing. So it was, uh, for that reason, they guarded the property quite carefully, but it was never for a microphone. <laughs> well, that's um, setting up, you know, uh, getting the courier off and running, and we found a little bit of maybe a ham radio direct connection uh we'll, we'll talk about it, it, it we're, we're still not uh real clear on everything yet but um, as the preparations were going for the courier uh, they wanted to do a test run and i found the call sign that they were doing for the test run so tell us about that well that is that is terribly interesting uh neil and before I directly answer that question, I think the answer will have a lot more meaning if I tell uh, another situation that happened. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the courier was not the first floating broadcast station. Uh, actually, the, the, the first floating uh, station for the VOA was the USS Texas. And they were deployed, uh, as I recall, uh, in the... Uh, Mediterranean, I think, uh, to get VOA's message into Nazi Germany. And they only had um, a very small transmitter. It was like five kilowatt uh, transmitter. Uh, but they were deployed uh, quickly, uh, I think November 1942. And the, the, and, and the situation is why 
the courier needed to do testing. What actually happened was they never tested the USS Texas transmitters. They were installed, tuned up into a dummy load, and yeah, they worked okay. Uh, and, uh, and off they went, and they sailed into the Mediterranean. Well, their first assignment was to bomb some targets on shore. So they moved up close to shore and fired two artillery shells. Both of them hit their target. Unfortunately, the recoil from those two firings completely destroyed the transmitter. Oh. So they were, they were only on the air for eight hours, and that completely ended their life as a broadcast station. So what does that have to do with the courier? Well, lessons learned, you might say. They, when they deployed the, the courier, they put the courier on a six-week um, shakedown. Normal for the Navy, normal for the Coast Guard to go out and shake down a new ship. And they, when they were first deployed, they were deployed under the call sign Vagabond Able, and that was their airway call sign. And then eventually when they were on station in Rhodes, Greece, they had another call sign. But during the testing phase, they used this uh, amateur radio call sign and while I do not know the exact reason, all my research, it looks like they were, they were very fastidious about uh, being careful of not being confrontational. And I think during this entire testing phase, they wanted to have just a very generic call sign. Amateur radio was non-confrontational, very generic. And so I suspect that that amateur radio call sign was used for that reason. But they, they put anchor in uh, Panama for about uh, 10 days. And people all over the world could listen to them, particularly North America, uh, particularly United States and Canada. They had a QSL bureau uh, down there that you could write uh, in and give your signal report. They very much wanted to know the signal report. And they would QSL back. And that uh, was a very successful operation. And then they moved on to, to other ports of anchor. Yeah, so so we're still not sure why the call sign and if that works or not but we found ku2xaj as the the call sign that they were using for that and so uh but they were in broadcast you know shortwave broadcast frequencies so we don't know the whole story here yet maybe 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 somebody listening will will know the rest of the story but uh and That's we'll turn it into a Paul Harvey show, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it'd be, be kind of interesting to, to find out there, but that was the call sign KU two XAJ that they were using, uh, apparently with the, uh, with the shakedown mode down in the, uh, canal zone. Yep. And that, and, and after they, uh, they quit the testing phase and used the KU two XAJ call sign, once they were deployed on the uh, off the island of, of Rhodes, uh, they used the operational call sign, the NFKW, November Foxtrot Kilowatt Whiskey, and that was their operational call sign. And so I would think they wanted to be careful not to use their operational call sign. Uh, but like you say, we I still don't know <laughs> how that came about. I never found a copy of their license, and I'm not sure they were had to have a license be in the government, but. Uh, I I, re- I still don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's uh, it was uh, interesting. Just happened to to run across that as I was preparing for the show. So uh, we, we we 
looked into it a little bit and Lee's looked quite a bit into it. So we appreciate that. Well, let's, uh, we've got a couple of minutes here before we need to take a break, but, uh, let's talk a little bit about the museum at, uh, or the exhibit at the museum. Uh, how did that come about and, and tell us a little bit about what you can expect to see, um, if you make a visit there, uh, while the exhibits in, the in the museum. Yes, we were very honored to have the traveling exhibit from the USS Coast Guard Cutter Courier uh, visit us uh, last year. They uh, provided 13 uh, large, uh, they're about 32 inches by 40 inches, very large posters, very well done, that describes the entire history and beginning through the end of the, of the courier. And we had that displayed in the Hanley Hall in the museum. And it was so popular, and we had people come in that were either associated or had family members associated with the courier, and a lot of encouragement to keep it. Well, we, of course, we had to give it up uh, back to the, the Rhodes organization. And so we went ahead and funded and duplicated all of those uh, uh, hanging uh, posters, if you will, and a brand-new hallway just outside of the control room has been finished uh, with nice lighting and video, and, we're, and we have those uh, mounted on the wall. And, it, and it's, just, it's very meaningful to, to walk down that hallway and read the story. Uh, when it was dedicated, we had several courier people come in to the museum, uh, actually some Rhodians. Uh, they, they were absolutely fascinating to, to talk with. Uh, living here in America, we just don't understand the value of our culture. Um, when they came in for the dedication, I had an opportunity to talk with almost every one of them. And they were so amazingly appreciative of what the United States did through the Voice of America message. And in particular, particularly, uh, the island of Rhodes was pretty well devastated after the war, and our good neighbor uh, policies uh, helped to rebuild that island. Uh, the crewmen that were on board ship would would uh, go to shore, and actually there were uh, <laughs> the captain of the ship arranged a mixer to get the uh, guys to uh, to meet the gals on on shore. And over the course of the 12-year period, there were uh, a little bit more than 95 marriages that took place <laughs> to courier men. And uh, I, I came across another interesting tidbit was uh, the American uh, bride's dress was absolutely revered. And so the first woman to get married to a courier crewman ordered a, an American bride's dress. And... It was so popular that it was repurposed five more times. It wound up being on, on six brides. They, they retrofitted it and, and, and modified it to fit five other women. And so uh, six women got married in the same dress uh, wow. because it, it, was, uh, it was the thing to do on, on the island of Rhodes. Well, that's, uh, that's some pretty cool stuff. Well, we need to take a break, but we will come back and talk uh, – some more with Lee, and we'll give you a chance to call in and ask your questions. Again, that phone number is 812-638-4261. So um, we'll come back and do all that uh, with Lee right after this word from Tower Electronics 
right here on Ham Talk Live. Hey, honey, have you seen the PL259s anywhere? No, I haven't. Come on, kids. Let's go. There's just one place to go for all of your connector needs. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. A giant warehouse of connectors and adapters for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And they have antennas, soldering supplies, cables, meters, and more. Where do you go if you want to buy a connector at a fraction of retail cost? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine solder-type PL259s. Get the tenth one for just one penny. They make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a PL259? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Hi, I'm Scott Cole, KB9AMM, president of Tower Electronics. I like the company so much that I bought it. Tower Electronics, coming to a ham fest near you or online at pl-259.com. And we're in the yellow pages under Amateur Radio Connectors. My, wherever did you get that lovely PL-259? Tower Electronics, pl-259.com, or call 920-435-2973. Do we sell PL-259 connectors? Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. It's not the amount of power, it's the size of our tower. Ham Talk Live. You can catch Scott or Jill or both from Tower Electronics this weekend. They're in Peoria, Illinois for the Superfest there, September 15 and 16. And then it's off to Texas, Belton, Texas, October 5th and 6th. And then in Greenville, Tennessee on October 20th. But you can always find them at one place, pl 259 Dot com. And you can find HamTalk Live at one place at HamTalkLive.com Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's time for your calls, so now's your chance. If you want to call in and ask a question um, to Lee, K-H-C-L-I, about the Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting or... The um, Courier Exhibit, give us a call right now. It's 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM-1. Or you can also uh, drop a tweet on Twitter. We're at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And um, and even if you do Skype, we can, we'll can we take Skype call too. It's HamTalkLive on Skype. Well, Lee, uh, while we're waiting on the calls to come in, I know you want to talk about a uh, special event coming up here in um, just uh, a little over a week, I guess it is. Um, You've got a a gala and a fundraiser, but uh, also a special event station going on um, on the 22nd. So uh, why don't you tell everybody about that? Yes. uh, Thank you, Neil. Uh, Part of the uh, BOA uh, National uh, 
BOA Broadcast uh, Museum, uh, Museum of Broadcasting, we have a very important part of the museum is the Westchester Amateur Radio Association. They operate under the call sign WC8BOA, Whiskey Charlie 8, Voice of America. And on September 22nd, we will be celebrating BOA's 74th anniversary. And we will be putting a, we'll have a special event station on that day. Uh, I don't remember the hours right now, but it's about, I think around nine and eight or nine in the morning until five o'clock in the afternoon. And we'll be mostly on 40 and 20. On uh, 40 meters, we generally operate in the vicinity of 7.268 megahertz, 7.268. And on uh, 20 meters, uh, typically operate around 14.268, 14.268. So if you're uh, available, stop in, say hello. We are spend, sending uh, special QSL certificates through a new process that will be explained when you make contact with us. And so we'd love to hear from you and give us a call at, uh, when you hear us uh, this on, on Saturday, September 26th, 22nd. 22nd, uh, yep. Yeah, yep, 22nd. And, and, then, and then talk a little bit about what's going on that evening, too. We have, uh, we're funded by donations uh, from various sources, and we have what we call the gala, which is a fundraiser event, but we have over 120 some people attend the event and we have a band called rock the radio uh, that evening and a dinner, uh, a dinner kind of arrangement. And it's a, it's a intended to be a fundraiser, but we will have, uh, we have a, an incredible crew of docents at the museum. Our docents will be there to answer questions. And it's, it's, it's a really fun evening, uh, Neil, a, a lot of fun. Okay, so if you're interested in in rock the radio, uh, that's the uh, the gala on the twenty second. You can check that out at uh, the website. That's voamuseum.org, and uh, you can check out that out and and see about uh, tickets and that kind of thing for rock the radio at six p.m. on the twenty second. And if you can't make it to Westchester, Ohio, you can get on forty or twenty and. Get a hold of Mike and the guys, and they'll they'll get you a QSL card. So, uh, tell me what. Uh, well, let me put the phone number out here again: eight one two six three eight four two six one eight one two net ham one or tweet us at Ham Talk Live if you have a question about the museum or the uh, information on the courier that we're talking about tonight. Um, tell us a little bit, uh, about some of the other updates. I know, uh, Gary has told me that, uh, that I wouldn't recognize the place. Uh, <laughs> and it's only been a few weeks. So, uh, what else has been going on? We continue to upgrade and, and modernize the museum, uh, from its operational days as a transmitting uh, relay station. We have a, a, a very well put together. Uh, well, there's actually four museums in the building. Of course, the VOA museum, we have the, the modernized control room when the uh, stations shut down. Very well equipped, and we take people in there and, and talk about how the, how the station ran. We preserved one of the Collins uh, 250KW transmitters. We show you that. And also the antenna switch out back is preserved. That's a 22 by 6 uh, antenna switch. It's, it's an amazing sight to see. 
And then we talk about special English that was specific to the VOA. And then the other three museums, we have a room just dedicated to Paul Crosley. He was such a prolific inventor. Uh, he invented and marketed uh, over, I counted one day, over 32 different products that were not radio-related. They were, uh, they were other devices. Uh, so we, we go through a lot of that in that room. Just recently, we, we have a, another room that's a radio timeline, which we trace really from the, from the days of uh, um, the beginning of, of discovering uh, magnetism and Voltaire and Hertz. We trace all the way that up to the satellite. And just uh, uh, a few days ago, Neil, I installed a, uh, an antenna, a replica of the antenna that's on the Titanic in that room. So people can see the size of the antenna. It was called a twin T. The Titanic actually had two antennas, uh, one that was uh, uh, configured to, to forward this, to optimize the signal in the forward direction, and the other one optimized it to the rear. And we will have on display a, 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 a nice model of the Titanic. And, and the importance there is that, uh, of course, we all know the story of the Titanic, but there's a very positive story out of it because over 710 people were saved because of wireless technology. It was all spark transmitters, but spark worked, and it worked very well. Uh, over uh, 12 ships heard the Titanic signal within a 500-mile radius, and so we've got that antenna to try to uh, just uh, draw attention to that uh, wireless part. And then on the other side of the museum, uh, we have what's called a Media Heritage Museum, which if you grew up around southwest Ohio, you were familiar with the television and radio from the beginning here in Cincinnati, and we trace all of that uh, quite well. There's uh, uh, from Ruth Lyons to Larry Smith's puppets and all of the personalities, a lot of the hardware, TV cameras, and broadcast re replication of broadcast studios. So it's, a, it's an amazing place to come see. If you ever get down to southwest Ohio, uh, be sure and stop in. We're open every weekend now, uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., and we have a, a fantastic staff of docents to help. Uh, you can take the tour yourself, or you, a docent can show you around. Uh, it's it's your choice. So let me, a little uh, bit let, about what. Let me correct you there, Lee. You said okay. Friday and Saturday. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Saturday and Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for catching that. Yeah, every Saturday and Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Okay, and uh, if you're a uh, ham, you can... Also visit the station there at WC8VOA and, and work a pileup, usually, at least. <laughs> yes, yes. You can operate whether or not you'll get a pileup or not. Well, most of the time it's a pileup. Yep. Yep. Mike, uh, Mike Braun is, is typically at the operating station along with uh, uh, several others, Carl and uh, Bob, etc., cetera, uh, and Mark. But uh, always invite people to come in and operate, take the station, make some contacts, um, we have, uh, uh, even if, if, if a person is not licensed, as long as we have a licensed control operator, we have a lot of non-licensed people get on the air and absolutely have a blast. Neil, they, uh, can't believe they just talked to Italy or, or Japan or something like that, you know? Yeah. And a great, uh, great room there set up with, uh, with all kinds of, of cool stuff and, uh. It's always a, a joy to get over there, and I enjoy getting on the air from there. So 
you get a chance, stop in. And uh, I know many of you have, because I've actually been there. Um, and people come in and say, yeah, that, yeah, I heard it on Ham Talk Live. So <laughs> that was kind of cool uh, to have that happen uh, on a, one of my, uh, well, I think it was the last trip over, I think that happened. So um, voamuseum.org is where you can find more information about the museum. And there's a link there to the uh, WC8VOA um, website as well, which is WC8VOA.org, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Well, let's uh, let's give one more opportunity here for calls tonight. It's 812-638-4261. I've been checking the, the tweets here, too, and haven't seen anything. But uh, we know most of our audience doesn't listen to us live. They listen to the replay. So um, mm-hmm. we, we know that happens. But if you're listening live, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. It's 812-638-4261. Six one, so all kinds of things happening, and okay, and I'm I'm going to pull this one out of the hat, and 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 I, I think you're prepared for this, but we didn't put it in the in the plan. Uh, talk about this this new rhombic that you guys are working on. Oh yes, quite exciting. Uh, the the VOA station here in Bethany when it was operational had twenty two rhombics. Uh, well, it's wrong. Uh, I said that wrong. We had 22 antennas. Uh, 14 of them were rhombics, and uh, eight of them were, we had two curtain antennas, and each curtain had four uh, dipoles in it. But we had uh, 14 rhombics. And normally, as I'd mentioned earlier, when you feed a rhombic at one end, you terminate the other uh, end in the impedance, I think it's 600 ohms, uh, and that gives us its directionality forward and a fairly narrow uh, beam width. Uh, and that's what the amateur radio station is going to put up is we've, we've done some testing on uh, a temporary rhombic. And now we are in the process of acquiring 80-foot poles. And it will be put up in the traditional diamond shape. And it'll be broadband uh, by using three wires on the sides. Uh, each leg will have three wires uh, as a conductor, which helps to broadband the, uh, the antenna. But we're quite excited. It's, it's, uh, it's in process right now, Neil. We, they just had a meeting uh, two days ago uh, about acquiring the 80-foot poles. And once we get those up, uh, the wire and everything else will go up pretty quickly. So, uh, We'll let everybody know. Uh, they'll, they'll let you know through the ham station, and we'll let you know on the website. All right. Very good. So uh, some more to look forward to over there at the uh, Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting. And let me take one last look here at Twitter and make sure we're not missing anyone's questions here tonight. But uh, I think I think we have everything covered. So... Um, Lee, it, it's uh, great as always to talk to you, and um, thanks for coming on the show and, and talking with everybody uh, here tonight, and uh, letting us know about the new exhibit with the Courier and some of the history there. And um, come back anytime; we'd love to love to have you back. Well, thank you, Neil, and certainly on behalf of the museum and the and the Westchester Amateur Radio Association, we thank you for the opportunity. 
uh, to be on the program. Uh, we're, we're still trying to get our message out to everyone, and this was certainly a very important vehicle. So thank you for everything you're doing. Happy to be here, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, very good. And Oh, just, just did come in here. Got a note from uh, Jim Wilson, K5ND, if I can get my phone to cooperate here. Uh, great story about the courier. I have QSLs from Rhodes, uh, Greece, VOA, and didn't have any idea that was, uh, that was around there. So, um, it's good to uh, hear from Jim there tonight and, uh, uh, didn't realize that, that, that was a ship. So now, now, you know, so, all right, well, we're going to, uh, finish things up here tonight, but, uh, thanks for coming on the show and, and that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Lehigh, K-H-C-L-I, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and chiming in. And invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we plan on having uh, Don Greenbaum in 1DG. I guess I should say we, we, we need to make sure he's coming. But that's the plan uh, to do a little recap on the Baker Island de-expedition. And uh, you can catch up with uh, what's coming up on the show by going to hamtalklive.com. Click on the show schedule link, and uh, you can see for sure who's coming up. And um, if you like Ham Talk Live, please uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, that helps others find us faster, so we'd appreciate it if you would do that. So for now, this is Neil Rapp. WB9VPG saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.